Hello, and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast, PitchFest 2020 series. I'm Nick Shirelli. Thanks for joining me. Late last year, OIO ran the Ocean Impact PitchFest 2020. We were inundated with almost 200 applications from 38 countries and were blown away by the incredible breadth and quality of ideas and ventures that applied, all trying to make a positive impact on planet Ocean. Over the course of this PitchFest 2020 series, We'll dive into the challenge and opportunity areas that each of the finalists are working on, find out about their unique solution, and discuss the key challenges and learnings they've encountered on their journey so far. We'll also discuss their why, their motivation for working towards a healthy ocean, what the road ahead looks like for them, and how you, the listener, might be able to support their journey. This week I'm talking to John Gradak, who's the CEO of US-based startup Water Warriors. John grew up in Kentucky, USA, where he became a graphic designer and started working in his dad's industrial foam business, designing logos for bodyboards that were being manufactured there. His connection to the ocean came through his annual family holiday to Florida, a place that is significantly impacted by toxic algae blooms, the very problem that Water Warriors is now working to solve. Water Warriors offer a circular economy solution to phosphorus and nitrogen pollution. Their flagship product is called Poseidon Pellets, which were developed in conjunction with the US EPA and are an insoluble pellet that absorb phosphorus and ammonia on contact, improving water quality and reducing toxic algae blooms. Once the pellets reach nutrient capacity, they can be used as fertilizer, returning the phosphorus to the land and reducing reliance on unsustainable sources of fertilizer. The primary markets for water warriors are currently farmers to address agricultural runoff and wastewater treatment plants. Phosphorus is among the world's most important chemical elements and it benefits us in a staggering number of ways. Most phosphorus production is in concentrated phosphoric acids for agricultural fertilizers. But high levels of phosphorus from agricultural runoff causes algae to grow at a remarkable rate which harms water quality and natural habitats, turning important water sources into algae-choked dead zones, a process called eutrophication. This has a range of environmental and economic impacts on our oceans. Agricultural runoff from farms is a major threat to the health of places like the Gulf of Mexico and Australia's Great Barrier Reef. I hope you enjoy this discussion with John Gradak on the Ocean Impact Podcast PitchFest 2020 series. Good morning, John, and welcome to the Ocean Impact Podcast. How are you going? Good. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Thanks for thanks for joining us all the way from Kentucky, USA. Um, tell us a little bit about phosphorus, nitrogen, and ammonia. What um, what are you guys at Water Warriors trying to do about these chemical elements? So the problem we're trying to solve is nutrient pollution, namely phosphorus and ammonia. And, and, you know, the problem's everywhere. It's in every creek, every stream, every tributary and river. And where's that all go? It goes to the ocean and it takes oxygen out of the water. It, con- it consumes it through eutrophication. And, you know, they find phosphorus and coral skeletons and it's all human made. You know, it, it's our problem with our fertilizers that we put into the water 
that is it's a huge nutrient pollution. So, so, yeah. so to help solve this issue, we, we developed Poseidon pellets, pellets that are able to adsorb phosphorus and ammonia on contact. And you know, it, it's incredibly simple. You know, water just flows through the insoluble pellets and it causes a chemical reaction. So the phosphorus and ammonia form struvite. And when the pellets reach capacity, the nutrients are returned to the land as a slow release fertilizer. Um, and so that enables us to serve a lot of different markets. And they're, they're both non-point sources like farm runoff and livestock and waterways and point sources like industrial and municipalities. So let's let's stick with the farming and the agriculture example for the moment, John. What you're saying there is that we have an issue around the world where we have farmers um, situated uh, along inland waterways using a variety of fertilisers to grow their crops. And um, when it rains and um, there's there's runoff from those crops, that gets into the inland waterways and results in those chemicals um, aggregating in areas and, and heading out to sea and you talk about eutrophication there. Um, tell us a little bit about eutrophication. What, is, what does that mean? So eutrophication is when um, these nutrients get into the water and literally choke it by um, taking all the oxygen out of the water. So not a, not a single plant or animal can live. And in the United States, we have a huge area in the Gulf of Mexico which is a hundred miles wide where nothing can live. You know, that's down by New Orleans, but um, the same thing's happening with the Great Barrier Reef. I mean, it's not just the, the ocean's getting warmer. There's plenty of nutrient pollution they're finding and, you know, coral skeletons and things like that. Um, these, these patches around the world, for those that don't know, have been um, uh, named dead spots because literally no life can grow in them. They've, they've had the, the oxygen has completely been taken out of these areas and anything within these areas literally suffocates. And so in the US, you know, it's the nutrient runoff from farms is, is it's pretty much beyond uh, regulations at this point um, because it's gotten so bad. Um, but they are, you know, they're looking to put in new regulations to hopefully curb those effects. But the problem is no, no one's equipped to fight them. You know, the farmers don't have the technology, the wastewater plants um, don't have the funding. And, um, you know, only the large ones can really afford the uh, CapEx cost of, of putting in the infrastructure to try and take that out. The farmers have no idea what to do. And those drainage ditches are about, you know, four or five farms combined. So wh whose fault is that nutrient pollution? Is it farmer one or is it farmer four? <laughs> They're all gonna say it's the other guy. Um, and, but with, with the Poseidon pellets, we can um, adsorb those nutrients in the drainage ditch. It doesn't even have to reach the stream or the creek. Um, we can get it right there, you know, from weir to weir um, where we literally take all the nutrients out of the water and we can give those pellets back to the farmer in the form of, uh, well, it's already in the form of a slow release fertilizer. So we can calculate the amount of time from the, um, you know, the amount of runoff they get. And, you know, at the end of, of one year, um, 
the the hopefully the the uh, pellets will be at nutrient capacity. Um, we can calculate exactly when that time will be given their nutrient loads. Wow. So so quite simply, Poseidon pellets sit in. I imagine they sit in some type of bag, Hessian bag, if you like, almost look like a sandbag, if you will. Yeah, um, we put them in boom socks. Um, they're they're literally long, um, almost uh, polypropylene material uh, netting. So when you when you pour water through that uh, boom sock netting, the water doesn't even break up at all. It goes straight through that, and that's one of the things that helps these pellets stay contained, but let water just make full contact with them. Um, the more contact the water has with the pellets, the better they're gonna work. Um, and then we also get into the equation of residency time. You know, what's the flow rate that determines how long um, the, the water and the pellets have to interact for. And, and the third factor is just kind of the nutrient load. How much phosphorus is in that water determines how long it's gonna sit in that water. And the flow rate of course is how fast that water's coming in. So Excellent. there's there's three different factors. So it's a it's a circular solution. You absorb the runoff, and and then when the pellets hit nutrient capacity, the farmers can throw that uh, throw those pellets um, back onto their crops in the form of fertilizers. A and what you're saying there, John, if I'm not mistaken, is that you can almost um, calculate with a, a good degree of um, of accuracy. Uh, the what you referred to as the um, the capacity timing or the timing that those pellets would actually be at capacity. Yes, exactly. And, does, does with, it, uh, and I suppose that just comes down to the type of soil, the type of crops, the type of fertilizer um, fertilizers being used. Yeah, it it comes down to um, just the concentration of phosphorus and nitrogen that is in the water. Um, you can get yearly averages, you know, some months of the year are going to be higher than the others. But overall, uh, for 12 months, there is a nutrient um, influent in the water. And you want to remove that and make the effluent um, below the, the, the fines and the um, limits that they have. Sure. Tell us about the, um, the, the solution and how it applies to water treatment plants. So we've, we've touched on agriculture. Does it differ or is it the same type of um, application there? So in larger wastewater treatment plants, um, they have a similar technology that they cost, you know, about $12.5 million in infrastructure, but they form literally the same chemical reaction we do. Um, the only difference is we can do it with a pellet in a bag. <laughs> um, so for the, for the large treatment plants, they're gonna have the money for that infrastructure. But for your small um, decentralized communities, um, this is a, a fantastic solution because it's, it's relatively, you know, a hundred times cheaper. We, we charge $19 a pound, whereas, you know, the large wastewater treatment plants are charging, you know, well over 10 to $15 million. For their solution and our solution actually pays the farmer back they can now you know the instead of the pellets being recycled as as toxic sludge they they actually have a worth now um so it's a it's a waste to worth solution so so let me just get that right you're actually saving the farmer um 
the disposal cost and you're also saving them the cost of buying additional uh, fertilizer. Exactly, exactly. Win, 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 bottom line, win twice, environmental win. Yeah, and, and the farmers love it too, you know. Um, it just makes them a little more socially responsible. Um, there's not much they have to do, you know. Um, and they don't have to change the pellets for 12 months for a year. You know, that's one of the really good things about this technology. And, um, you know, we, we sell them in sediment screens as well. Um, that'll keep out the, the mud and the, and the leaves and stuff in a drainage ditch or say on the edge of a golf course or edge of pond. Um, so we, we have designed it so the pellets will remain, you know, pretty much intact and untouched from all the, all the nasty stuff nature's going to throw at. Mm. You, you talk about the farmers um, loving them. Let's talk about that for a moment. From what I understand, you're in, uh, you have customers and, and multiple pilot projects in, in six countries, the UK, Spain, South Africa, New Zealand, and the US. Um, it, what is the primary um, motivation for your customers in these countries? Is it the fact that they love what you're doing, they want you know, they want to um, embed great environmental um, principles into into what they're doing, uh, or is it more toward geared towards? Okay, I need to get in line with um, individual country and state legislation. I'd say it's the regulations coming in. Um, a lot of these companies won't move until there's fines. Um, so, what they're trying to do now is either beat the regulation that's coming in or be prepared for it or to lower the fines they're currently getting. So it, it is motivated, you know, it's fiscally motivated. Um, it's not that they want to do, you know, everything for, for the love of doing good, which, you know, it, it's a nice added benefit, but they're, they're trying to relieve the fines or, or deal with the new regulations that are coming in that they're not prepared for. And that's an important lesson for a lot of startup founders um, working in the impact space. I mean, it's fantastic to have um, grand ambitions and good intentions and, and to really want to have impact. Um, but quite often, and, and you're a great example, Water Warriors is a great example of where you can have the most impact, um, but particularly in the early days, you really need to focus on the customer problems being around profitability, cost reduction, customer increase, uh, and regulatory compliance. You know, and if you can do those things, uh, and by doing those things, um, achieve impact, then, you know, you're really singing to, um, you know, you're singing from the hymn book that your prospective customers need to be, need to be, um, need to be hearing. So, John, let's um, let's take a step back for a moment. We've got a little bit of an idea of um, the problem and the the, the, the customers uh, in agriculture and wastewater that you're you're targeting. I'm interested in knowing a little bit about your story and the 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 genesis, if you like, of Water Warriors and how it came to be that Water Warriors and yourself are, are targeting this issue. Oh gosh, where do I start? <laughs> I guess in the beginning, um, you know, when I was growing up, my, my father had a uh, company in K 
Kentucky that made, uh, they made boogie boards or body boards. Um, and, you know, I, ever since I was 14, I, I was involved, heavily involved with boogie boards and, and, you know, taking them to the ocean and trying them out, trying different designs. And that kind of, you know, fermented my love for, for the ocean. And, you know, I just became obsessed with it. And just seeing recently, you know, the, the algae bloom outbreaks down in Florida at some of these beaches we used to um, surf on, you know, there, there's dolphins dying now in, in the water, in the ocean. And when I was a kid, there were dolphins surfing in the ocean with you. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's traumatic how different the world is in 20, in 20 years, you know, you wouldn't think that's, that's a, a lot of time for that much damage to be done. But I mean, it, it is literally everywhere. Every, every summer, you know, the news is filled with blooms here, blooms there. And in, in the U S you know, we have the great lake States, which have the, the strictest regulations and then Florida and, you know, now all the other States in the U S are, are starting to fall in line with that. But it, it all started with the, the States that got the worst impact that, you know, um, kind of the genesis of it. And now with climate change and, and the world warming a bit, um, we're seeing algae blooms pop up in, in regions that never had those issues. You know, with, when you get those right conditions of the warm water and the nutrients in the water, it's, um, it's inevitable that you're going to get them. So where it used to be regulated to just really warm uh, areas, it's now, you know, regulations are going in for New England for 12 months out of the year instead of just, you know, the South for a few months. So it, it's becoming a more widespread problem. And, you know, the farmers are looking for better fertilizers and, and you know, better farming techniques. But until those are, are put in, you, you can't kind of prevent the issues that are happening right now. And so the one thing that, that we think is great about our technology is we don't remove an algae bloom from a pond. We prevent it from ever happening. You know, we, we remove those nutrients and, and put them in the form of a fertilizer. Whereas, you know, some of the other technologies out there, you know, they'll, they'll try and sink the bloom. So it goes to the bottom of the pond. They'll try and, you know, push the problem downstream. So it's not their problem anymore. Someone else has to deal with it. So I think ours is, is really unique that we remove the nutrients from the water and only the nutrients. We don't pick up anything else, just the phosphorus and ammonia. So take us back to your bodyboarding um, uh, story there, John. You were, you were working, designing bodyboard logos, I believe. Yeah, so... Um, my uh, my father's company in, in Lexington, Kentucky, was the biggest manufacturer of uh, bodyboards in the uh, in the world. <laughs> so we we manufactured everything from Easy Rider, Challenger, um, Mike Stewart boards to um, you know Ron John Surf Shop boards. We even made them for Gap at one point. <laughs> um, and so we you know um, that's just in the middle of Kentucky. Fate put me with some boogie boards and <laughs> boogie boards put me with you know art and design and then i pursued that as a creative director art director for 18 years after that and um 
yeah so so you're not all. a you're not a chemical engineer you're a uh, marketing design background you're uh, living in kentucky nowhere near uh the ocean plenty of waterways but nowhere near the ocean you're um and i suppose your connection to the ocean started off by um having a connection with bodyboards through your dad's uh, dad's factory he's you know obviously uh, contracted you to do some uh, very cheap i imagine um, design work for him at the time and and then you what you would take the occasional family holiday down to florida and i suppose that's where your uh, where i suppose your connection to the ocean manifested yeah that's exactly right um it, it was just a Kind of a story where it's a lot of fate it's a lot of you know things lining up that normally wouldn't line up so from bodyboarding i got into art and design and for that i made you know car commercials for the last 18 years hanging out of helicopters <laughs> and um you know after my dad passed away about five years ago so i i came back to kentucky to uh you know help my mom and um she was taking over my dad's company. And um, right now they're making, uh, you know, military packaging for munitions. And uh, my idea is to um, use some of that foam for, you know, environmental uses. So I call it foam as a force for change, <laughs> um, which is, you know, get, get away from that kind of stuff and, and get into, you know, changing the world, like making up, you know, right now, Foam is looked at as, as a dinosaur, you know, um, environmental dinosaur that's going to be around for another million years. But what if you could use that material to treat water? And so um, we, we make a, uh, you know, a, a biomedium made out of that foam. And now um, we're concentrating on the pellets as, as another nutrient removal. But it's all focused on nutrient removal. And it all started back in boogie boards. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, here we are, be fair to say, you know, not an engineer background, um, not connected um, to the ocean naturally. Um, but really you were, you were, I suppose, uh, came across an opportunity um, by virtue of working in your parents' factory. Um, and then um, were approached around the specific problem to do with uh, runoff and at some point you've said to yourself this problem really aligns with um with me and, and the way that i see the world and, the, and it's the type of thing that i would like to be working on even though i'm not the sort of uh typical fit for a chemical uh engineering uh company but you know what i'm going to sink my teeth into this and do it with some real gusto yeah you know one of the things in advertising was to always find a uh a story a company could tell like, a, you know, uh, doing good story. And it's like, why, why does that even have to exist when your company could be doing good and nothing else but good? You know, um, it just got to a point where, you know, you're, you're trying to make up these brand stories saying, you know, PNG saved this many trees by not cutting down that many trees for their packaging. You know, by making their packaging a little smaller doesn't mean they saved those trees. It just means they didn't kill them, you know. And if, if you can start a company that's based off a of purpose, it's, it's so much better than trying to fit a purpose into a company. And I think, you know, 
that's one reason why we came out and named our company Water Warriors instead of Aqua Fix Phosphorus or whatever hybrid names that every other water company in this business does. We we wanted to to make a point, you know. We stand for something, you know. Um, and it, it, right now our, our line is how water should be treated, you know. And it's amazing that nobody else in this business has used that simple line before, how water should be treated. You know, it's... They're not starting with the purpose, are they? They're starting with, yeah. the, with the technology or the product and, and trying to sell, um, sell the story, if you like, around that, which is quite dull. Right. Yeah, it's, it's um, not really natural to the brand either, you know. Yeah. I obviously talk to a lot of people like you, John, and, um, you know, you're not completely unique in the sense that um, a lot of founders are, um, you know, working on something where there's a, you know, there's a big chunky problem and they're passionate about that problem and they don't necessarily come from the type of background that you would expect. But what they tell me when I start talking to them is that because they do have this grand vision and this you know this beautiful alignment with what they do every morning they wake up there's they're completely not fearful at all about all of the things that are in front of them on their journey that they have no idea how to do today they'll work it out they'll work it out because the alignment and the the, the vision and what the you know the end goal that their business is working for just makes it so that it's you know, it's easy. I'll just, I'll just figure that piece out. We'll work it out. I don't need to necessarily be um, from an engineering background. We'll put people around us that can, that can provide um, that input. That's exactly right. I mean, we work with so many scientists that at the end of the day, you have no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> but um, when you whittle it down, it's just, it's, it's such a purposeful mission, you know? Um, and that's what gets you up every day. Um, you know, in, in the 18 years I spent in advertising, we got up and we had fun every day, but we didn't really have a purpose, you know? Like, we, yeah, you get to make a car commercial, you know, for, for a lot of money, but what's it mean at the end of the day? Is someone at, at that you know land rover going to remember you no like is that is that commercial already outdated yeah i mean so it, it was it was more about having fun and now it's it's more about doing something bigger than myself you know and having even more fun doing it than i did in advertising you know and it's just it's you're right there's there's the most stressful things right now aren't, they don't really have that much weight, you know? It's, it's, there's always a solution. And I think just being a, a entrepreneur and a, you know, a founder of Water Warriors, it's, I would never, I would have done this so much earlier if I would have known how, how good it feels to do your own thing, you know? Um, it, it feels right, you know? Um, and we've, we've had a mountain of failures up until now. <laughs> and I mean a mountain. Um, so it, but with each one, you, you shift and you change. If you need to change directions, you change directions, but there's nothing written in stone. It's a, it's a very organic process. And that's one of the things that's so great about it. I don't, I don't know who I'm going to be talking to tomorrow. 
I mean, it is the steepest peaks and valleys that you've ever had in your life. It's like one day you're on top of the world and the next day it's like, we've got nothing. We're failures. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to shut down. And then the next day it's like, how many Ferraris? <laughs> and then the next day it's like, I can't even fit in a Ferrari. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> we're, we're going under. <laughs> I can't even afford a coffee. <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's, that's one of the parts of, of doing it, um, being self-funded. You know, it's, it's the, the peaks and valleys hit you, um, I think, even stronger, um, knowing that it's, it's your dollars and, and, you know, your money that's going out the window if something's not working then you, you need to, you know, change course as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you know, if it was someone else's money we were dealing with, you know, we'd mm. sit at the fancy cappuccino machine and talk about it for a while. <laughs> so you, but, you've, got a, you've got what we call a clear north star. And I would um, suggest that, you know, during those downtimes, yeah, that's, what, that's what pulls you through. Um, Having that clear north star means you are going to look over the edge of a cliff from time to time, and sometimes you get to stumble off it. Um, but you you get up, you keep going because um, of this very, very, very clear north star and um, and purpose mission that you have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. Um, I think um, you know you've got to have something that gets you through the hard days. And if you don't love what you're doing and love the mission that you're on, you, you, you know, a huge piece of advice to people starting their own venture. If you don't have that, um, if you can't find a way to get out of bed on the hardest day, and there's going to be plenty of them, then maybe you should consider or reconsider uh, the venture that you're about to get into, uh, which, which, you know, obviously you don't have a problem with um, doing what Water Warriors is doing. Let's, Let's stick on that for a moment, John. And um, you know, you mentioned some of the ups and downs. What are you know? What are some of the challenges that that make you proud that you've got through? What are some of the learnings? And um, you know, by the same token, you know, what are some of the what are some of the achievements that that you've um, achieved over the last four or five years? I would say you know one of the biggest challenges in in the water business is acceptance. Um, you know, and we've, we've been lucky enough or fortunate enough to be in a couple of the, I want to call them top water accelerators. And just by being in those, you are somewhat validated, you know, um, not just your technology, but, but you as a company. Um, and that, that'll lead to kind of more pilots, more interest from other kind of early adopters. And so we've been fortunate enough to, um, to, to get a lot of opportunities out of, out of those things. Um, and one of the hardest things is, is the biggest challenge is it's water. I mean, everybody will claim their water's different, you know? Um, it's, everybody wants to test it with the composition of their water, um, which leads to kind of what I call the pilot trap. Um, you, you could just make a business out of running pilots nonstop, um, and forget selling a product at the end of the day, just sell pilots. Um, because that's, that's one of the biggest hurdles is, you know, in this business, everybody's got a black box, right? So 
it's it's kind of hard to get past that stigma of saying, oh, we figured out this. Oh, we're just two guys sitting in Kentucky. Um, <laughs> that That's kind of a big obstacle to overcome. But, um, you know, I, I think by being in those programs, um, by launching the product the way we have and, and getting, you know, sampling and testing in, in six countries now, I, I think that our next 12 to 24 months is going to be, you know, about securing funding for one example, you know, we, if we're going to grow and if these pilots are successful in those other countries, we're going to need to have product ready immediately, you know? And so, um, one of the great things about being self-funded was, you know, we build a certain valuation in this company up to this point, but from up to this point, we can't expand fast enough to meet demand. So that's one of the things we're, we're going to look for in the next 12 to 24 months is funding and mainly to increase production so we can scale up. So let me just re hash that john so self-funded bootstrap to date no in, no external investment raised is that yes. right yeah and i can get my wife to verify that <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the daily question is when is water warriors going to start <laughs> money <laughs> oh you know what i was gonna i was gonna pick up on that comment you made earlier about the uh, the highs and the lows and um uh, my wife has you know basically i've been working in early stage ventures now for um you know the best part of 15 years and there's been a variety of them and so my wife has this sort of cute uh saying when i come home and it's been either a good or a bad day she'll ask me are we rich again or are we poor again <laughs> so much of it's on paper right and, and it swings it swings from day to day and um so i hear you there so so self-funded to date um in customers and pilots in those six countries that I mentioned earlier, that's some pretty decent traction in four or five years with no external funding. Uh, you're also doing uh, around half a mil worth of revenue for the last uh, couple of years? Yeah. Yep. And we're hoping now that, um, you know, with, with this new product, we just launched Poseidon in October. So we're hoping that's going to, you know, make a big impact just being a product we can sell. So uh, I'm, we currently have about um, a revolving inventory. We're keeping up two container loads of, of produced pellets. So that's a, it's a pretty high cost revolving inventory, but um, you know, with this product being kind of a reaction to the fines and uh, you know, limits being put in, we're finding a lot of our clients, need that solution last month you know mm -hmm. they, they don't have the three to four months to stick around and and wait for a solution to be ready so um we've we've invested a lot of our our capital in just um inventory for these pellets so we can we can move on projects sooner than later gotcha and so your um seeking growth funding in 2021. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about your plans to scale and to use that growth funding. What's your, what's your end game 
business model look like? Uh, do you intend to handle sales yourself or are you going down a, um, a distribution partner uh, model, a country-based region model? What's, uh, what's the intent there? So right now we're looking for the right partners around the world. You know, it can be from engineering firms to investors to distributors, anyone with an idea who's going to help us take off. Um, with that being said, we're talking to different engineering firms that service, you know, different categories that are, are asking for an exclusivity um, and different territories as well. So it's, we, we have interest by category and by geography. So it's going to be interesting moving forward to see where those kind of net out. And then when you introduce distributors on top of that, um, you know, are they within that model or, or is that going to live outside of that? So I think we're early enough that we have a lot of choices, um, but those choices need to be made. Gotcha. And so our, our ears are wide open for kind of the, the best path that's going to give us a lot of growth. And as you develop more pilot pilot sites and have more conversations, that, that will probably naturally um, be teased out, uh, as in that idea between, you know, is it a geography um, distribution partner model or is it a, um, is it a problem set uh, distribution partner model? Yeah. Um, but very firmly you do have the idea that Water Warriors will be more of a um, technology development company looking to partner with strategic partners around the world in order to you know get um uh, product uh, poseidon pellets and any other new uh, products in the water uh, treatment game uh, where they need to be yeah and right now we develop poseidon through a crate agreement with the federal epa environmental protection agency and what that means it's a cooperative research and development agreement with the epa and um, we have that for three years. So Poseidon is our first product we're rolling out, um, but we're already in works for, you know, products for metals, products for nitrogen and nitrates. So we, we've, we're already, you know, innovating, but right now we're also trying to get the, the first product out the door. <laughs> you know, you, you can't innovate too much if you can't sell. Um, so, we, you know, it's a, it's a matter of getting this product to take, um, you know, take root and get some, get some market share. But then, you know, because of our relationship uh, with the EPA, um, we've got, you know, three more years of, of R&D we can do at their labs using their scientists and their equipment. So if we want to uh, run a pellet through an electron microscope, we've got that capability. Um, which is fantastic <laughs> yeah. um, because a, a lab right now consists of, of a room with a sink for us. Um, but at the EPA, it's, it's rigorous testing and retesting and, and more testing. And so um, that gives us a very solid um, ground for our, for our intellectual property. And through that crate agreement, we, we actually have the patent under Water Warriors. Um, that the EPA has assigned the uh, technology to us. So um, if that is ever challenged, you know, you've, you've got the EPA in your back pocket now. So It's an enormous validation tick for you, isn't it? I mean, not only do you have the patent, but it's developed in conjunction with the US EPA. 
yeah, doesn't get exactly. doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> and uh, their offices are only eighty miles uh, north of us, right? Right <laughs> now, so we we go up there quite a bit, and um, yeah, that's great that you've got that relationship. Um, that's a that's a really strong point. Um, you know, particularly in the early years, to be able to call on them for validation when you're having conversations. What um. Have you seen any um, movement since we've moved into the Biden era at the EPA? Um, not yet. Not yet. Um, I, I think everyone's expecting to, you know. Um, yeah, tr uh, Trump is horrible for everybody. <laughs> it's, <and everything. laughs> it's too early, isn't it? Let's, uh, yeah. you know, why yeah. don't I come back and ask you in 12 months' time? Yeah, and, you know, Kentucky is one of those uh, states here in the U.S. that, is a, is a coal mining state, right? Um, coal miner's daughter was was Loretta Lynn was out of Kentucky, <laughs> um, a famous coal coal mining song and movie. Um, but you know, Trump, um, you know, released the restrictions on coal ash being put into waterways, and that is probably one of the most poisonous, arsenic laden, just horrible things that you could do here so it's um they've got a lot of things to make up for um a lot of regulations to put back in place before they put new new ones in um just to roll back all the damage he's done just getting back to what it was like four years four years yeah. earlier right rather than uh, looking to improve and it, it did oh, i mean honestly it opened an opportunity for us because i don't know if we would have been able to work so closely with the epa under a credit agreement as a startup without trump defunding them so it's 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 horrible on one level but an opportunity for us on on another that we were able to get in there and develop this technology because you know they, their funding was was minimized so you're saying if their funding was at the levels um, it was previously, they would have gone and done done this by themselves, or um, they would have worked with a company that they could have claimed a royalty on, or you know some some other uh, method of of receiving payment for the technology. Whereas right now they're they're it's it's like a garage sale. Mm. <laughs> well, um, we we certainly wish um, the new administration all of the best. Um, it's there's a lot of work to do um signs are positive to start with certainly um from an environmental point of view i think there's a lot of uh calls for optimism uh post post trump john we're, we're sort of we're getting to the end of our conversation um very very quickly how can people out there support what you're doing um is yeah. there somewhere that people can get in touch or find out more information whether they be interested customers uh, interested investors how can people support you yeah i mean as i mentioned before we're looking for the right partners um they can be an engineering firm they can be a distributor they can be a family fish farm um just you know we're we're willing to listen and talk to anybody and everybody um we think we have a great product we think we have a great mission and um you know if if anybody out there thinks they can help us or wants to talk to us further they can find us at waterwarriorsinc.com. Sure. And I might just throw out another one there as well. Um, one of the countries that you're not in is Australia. So um, if there's, uh, you know, anyone in Australia, particularly in the agricultural field that's interested in finding out more, 
um, get in touch with John or you can contact me even and I can I can put you in touch. Thanks very much for your time today, John. It's been really enjoyable speaking to you and um, teasing out a little bit more of the, the Water Warriors story and um, look forward to seeing your progress into the future. All right. Thank you very much. Cheers.